0: welcome back to soul back this is the rmb podcast kyle here back with tom and ed another week of being quarantined and can i just say i went to the supermarket today i wore a mask for the first time i was looking quite good guys
1: oh my gosh they've got you in the mask now oh goodness
2: listen you weren't looking that good you
0: can't even get a haircut out in these streets anymore kyle i saw you That's true. I was going to ask you guys, what's the most desperate thing you guys have done while you guys have been quarantined? I was going to say for myself, once I realized I couldn't get my hair cut because all the barbers were closed, I had to cut my own hair. It didn't look pretty, but I'll be inside Uh, so no one will see me.
1: That is like my worst fear, and it's going to happen. Like, I probably got another week left before I start looking ridiculous, and I'm going to have to do it myself. And I'm going to end up looking like Bobby Brown 1991 with the Gumby gonna be all bad.
2: <laughs> actually i told my wife to start looking up youtube videos on how to give a shape up so uh we'll see how that goes i'll report back next week
0: or you might not if things go wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but guys a lot of things have been going on in r&b as everyone is quarantined and isolated at home uh tom didn't to me and deborah cox do a duet just like an hour ago
2: I just saw that produced by Shep Crawford, and for those who don't know, that's the producer who, he's been involved in a lot of Tamia stuff and Deborah Cox, and he was one who was trying to bring together the Queen Project with Kelly Price and those two. But man, that was pretty cool to see. that. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that or checked it out, but man, that was pretty cool.
1: I saw it was in the someone had dropped it off in a solo stereo cipher on Facebook if you aren't there. So I haven't had a chance to check it out because my life has been Corona for two weeks. But hopefully mm-hmm. I'll check it out soon. And those two together, you know, it's going to be classic.
0: Mhm. And then uh, some other people have been making their time worthwhile for the fans. You know, like I mentioned last week, John B has been doing live shows. I think Charlie Wilson did it this week. And Elle Varner is about to do it too, and I know you're excited about that one, but the thing that, has everyone, <laughs> the thing that has everyone excited right now are these producer and songwriter battles with like Timbaland and Swiss Beats. They did one recently, and I think The Dream and Sean Garrett are going to do one today. Can somebody tell me what the appeal of this is? Because I don't get it. I mean, it just goes back to me.
1: First of all, anything is entertainment in these days. Folks are locked in the house staring at their phones. <laughs> they want anything. But I think to me, it goes back to, it harkens back to the days of the rap battles, player. It's where you get two talented people to go back and forth and to kind of showcase their wares, so to speak. It's quite a, it's an element of hip-hop that is totally gone these days. It kind of harkens back to that because all about competition. I haven't checked out any of these, so I'm just hearing kind of hearsay about who beat who and how things went. But if I had the time, I'd probably check out a couple.
0: Here's my biggest thing with it, right? And I don't know if you agree, but like, I I clicked on one of them. I think it was Timbaland, and he started playing Icebox by Omarion, and the comments (laughs) were going nuts. I listen to Icebox like three times in a week, so this is (laughs) nothing surprising or exciting to me. Maybe I'm just not part of the majority.
2: I don't I, I think it's more for the the non-diehard fans because maybe they forgot that Timbaland did that song or haven't heard that song in a decade I don't know I mean it's not the type of song you hear on radio if you if, you know if you're out and about so you know I guess it's fun for just a common fan but for us as diehards you know we know their whole discography and it's, it's nothing new to us so I mean it, it really didn't appeal to me at all
1: I mean that's exactly what it is think back to whenever these Whenever TV One does an unsung, and for instance, when they did Drew Hill, and everybody's like, oh, I forgot Drew Hill was so great. They had this song and that song. And, you know, everybody listens to this podcast right now, including the three of us, probably can name every Drew Hill song front to back, still listen to all the albums consistently. So to us, it's like, oh, nice recap of their career. But there's a segment that literally have not heard these songs in decade or so. So they're excited about it. Just different fan base.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the saddest thing. I went to like a throwback R&B club night once upon a time. I don't go clubbing very often, but I went once and they were playing <laughs> all the jams that I listened to on a daily basis. Everyone was going nuts. And I'm like, I can't believe I paid 20 bucks for this. I could oh. do this and listen to it at home.
2: <laughs> I guess you're too old to go clubbing, Kyle. That's the end of that.
1: Stick yes, to welcome to my work,
0: Kyle. <laughs> 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 all right. Can we get into some new R&B here, guys? Uh-oh. Did, did we have any new R&B this week? Yeah. You're, well, we have two new EPs that came out. One from Jontay Austin and one from Tank. Jontay Austin yeah, well, is called I don't Pandemic. talk about one guy, but go ahead. Is that? Are you <laughs> allowed to call it Pandemic or is it too soon?
1: <laughs> it's kind of on the nose. Um, I actually totally missed this. I didn't know he had a new EP out but yeah Can i just a little... say, ooh, shout ooh. out to
2: our boy jante austin though for, for starters because he chimes in on a, a lot of the discussions we have on social media we appreciate him for that he shows us love all the time kyle have you had a chance to check it out
0: yeah i did it's a solid offering from a great songwriter so you know it's gonna be quality Bee cox troy taylor Uh, produced the EP, so it's just a nice listen, and uh, the thing I appreciated is that he took the opportunity to put out something uh, when no one else did, I guess except for Tank, and uh, we'll get into things aside from Tank in a bit, but um, yeah, it was a great listen, and everyone should check that out, but Tank also dropped an EP, guys, and Tom, we went back and forth with Tank a couple (laughs) of weeks ago, and he told us, don't criticize my art, So we pretty much just said, okay, we'll just mention it, and we'll move on. So we can Mm. do that, but before we do that, I'll just say that I actually enjoyed this project uh, for what it was. It was a piano and vocals uh, type of project, so no beats. So it was just him, the keys, and his vocals, and the lyrics were not as explicit as some of his work that we've seen in the last couple of years. So I enjoyed it. Um, Did you guys have anything to add to that one? I'm trying to be nice here, guys. Uh,
1: (laughs) Go ahead, Tom, before I chime in. This is Tom from
2: Uh, youknowigotsoul.com. I've been a big tank supporter for many years now. Uh, I haven't always agreed with the direction he's gone, but I've still supported. I'll just say I haven't checked it out, but I would like to take some partial credit for the direction of this project. All of us should. Oh, here you go. (laughs) We kind of no. We kind of pushed him to go in this direction, and he heard us because he kind of fought us. And you know, we don't know for you know for certain or not, but I think you know we can't take credit. But I think we made it loud and clear that R and B fans wanted to hear this style from Tank. I mean, we could all agree on that. At least the message was
1: delivered, right, Ed? The message was delivered, and. From Mr. Durrell, this is Edward Bowser of SoulAndStereo.com. Direct your tweets <laughs> to E.T. Bowser. As a unbiased reviewer, as I always am, I have to say that it's a pretty solid project. It's all piano balance. It gets it gets a little monotonous because it's the same vibe. Again, being an unbiased reviewer, I'm gonna keep it real. But it is what R&B fans have been listening, will actually been kind of wanting from him for a while. So kudos on that Mm -hmm. the rest of my comments will remain to myself
0: (laughs) well i did read one comment on twitter someone replied back to us and said we were harsh on elevation so we got to give props on this one and that's what we do we're not here to kill anyone's career or trash anybody we're just unbiased reviewers so we'll give props when it's due but when it's not good we'll have to point it out I mean, that's what it's all about.
1: Everybody on this podcast, all three of us are fans of R&B, and we want our artists to be better. And sometimes that means a little tough love, a little criticism, because we want those five-star albums. Like, I want them all to be as great as they were. I'm not going to say something's good when it's not. This was solid. The end.
0: All right, Tom. But with this project brings a lot of questions And this goes beyond the music. As I was listening to this EP, um, I just happened to stumble across the fact that this EP was not released uh, by Atlantic Records, which is the label that Tank has been signed to since 2009. This was actually distributed through Empire, which is where a lot of independent artists distribute their music through. Elevation was on Atlantic. This is on Empire. Does this mean he's an independent artist now? Because that changes a lot.
2: Mm. Well, we made this comment on Twitter that Atlantic Records, you know, his label, only has three R&B acts over 30. And that's him, Trey Songs, and Janelle Monet. So I feel like the label's at the point where they really don't even want to bother to support too much. They've invested over 10 years in Tank. I mean, let's just keep it honest. But he probably came to them with the idea, I want to put out an EP. The label's like, we don't have, you know, the funds to support that at this moment. So he found another place to, you know, release it. And I think that's how it went. I mean, let me know if you guys disagree. I, I don't know.
1: No, I think that's exactly how it went. I mean, just it feels like a project that I mean, not even trying to belittle the man. It feels like I'm going to sit down at my piano and I'm going to crank out a couple songs because I'm stuck in the house. It has to. That, and that's a good thing. It has an intimate feel. And it doesn't feel like something that it was a lot of label concepts or fingerprints on. Something that he wanted to do, maybe they weren't down. Maybe he didn't even present it to them because he just wanted his stamp on it. But I guarantee
0: you that this was kind of a pet project just out of his wheelhouse. Uh, I mean, I didn't tell you guys this, but I have some insider information. My source is very strong. I think Tank right now, as of this moment, and things can change. But uh, I would say right now, Tank is probably an independent artist. And the reason why I say that is because this is, this is considered an EP, not a mixtape. Whenever Trey right. Songs put out an EP, it was through Atlantic Records. Every time Trey Songs put out a mixtape, it was through Songbook, which is Troy Taylor's label. So if we're looking at it based on that logic, this EP, regardless of whatever it was, it should have been on Atlantic Records. So for the fact that it wasn't, I think right now as we speak, Tank is independent. Now that could change when he records his next album, maybe Atlantic, will hear that and say, Alright, we'll put you back on, but I would say right now he's indie.
1: Well play a holding withholding information got us speculating and you got the inside scoop. Look at this. <laughs> I
2: mean I never know Trey Song's put out in EP, so this is breaking news all around to me.
0: Alright. <laughs> <laughs> so but, (laughs) but if tank is truly an independent artist now then this project would make sense from a musical standpoint it's way less trendy than what than what we've heard in the last couple of years but of course this is all speculation so i don't want to jump the gun and once we get on tank's podcast which we have an open invitation to we'll get the reel on that but it'll be really interesting to see what happens moving forward well, you have good uh, luck with that podcast. <laughs> I will be
2: chilling. My guess is it will be, his next album will be via Atlantic Records. So we'll see how that turns out.
0: And I'm looking on uh, Atlantic's website right now, and Tank is on there. So he's on the roster. He's on so.
2: there. He, yeah, I'm not happen. really sure
0: what's going on. So we'll, we'll see. But, guys, I have a question for you. hmm As it pertains to the vocal Bible brandy. Oh, no. Um, she was set to drop her new single, Baby Mama, with Chance the Rapper on Friday. I was really excited about it. I was going to talk to you guys. were deaf about this song. I haven't even heard it, <laughs> but I just know it's going to be a classic. She decided uh-huh. to push the single back due to the coronavirus. Uh, I'm not sure if she's afraid that sh- the song will get infected by the coronavirus. but um, Wait, hold on, hold on.
2: Kyle, tell yes. her what she said in her video that she... Talked about why she pushed it back first.
0: Yeah, she said it's because due to this outbreak, she doesn't have a chance to properly promote the song. So she's going to push it back so that the song gets the proper promotion it deserves. I've gone back and forth on this. I think what I believe is right now should be the perfect time to put out a record because no one's really doing anything right now. But I've heard people also say right now is a bad time to put out music because... Everyone is stressing out over what to eat, how to pay their rent, and their bills. So where do you guys stand on that?
1: Uh, I mean, I see both sides. I, here's my thing, and I talked about this over on the Cypher as well, because there was a conversation about, like, if I'm an artist, I should be dropping an album now because everybody's just sitting on the internet. Well, people who sit on the internet are sitting on the internet saying that. I think when it comes to one thing that we have to keep in mind, this might not be the case for Brandy. But what comes in mind for a lot of these artists is that the the album, their money is tour. The album is simply a tool to promote the tour. If they put out these albums and they can't tour until who knows when because everything is canceled till the summer at the very latest, at the very earliest. Like you got a project out that's going to lose a whole lot of momentum that could... Mess up the bag, so to speak. So if you use that mentality, I can understand why artists are kind of hesitant right now and the mindset that sometimes these artists have a lot going on in their lives. They don't have time to do some of the promotion that would be needed if they're going to do more than just send out a tweet, if they have something lined up. I don't know what brand they had lined up. So I get both sides. My thing is that I've always said this would be a good time for artists who have stuff in the archives that they that was never going to come out. This could be a good time to share some of that. Because that's something you don't have to really promote. And it will get you buzzed. And as we've seen with like a D-Nice. Buzz is everything. Here's a legendary hip-hop artist that a week ago most of the youngins didn't know existed. But now because he got a little bit of clout he's like the most popular dude ever. So it's all about timing. So I can see it. But I understand if an artist didn't want to kind of go forward with plans that were set months ago.
0: Tom? I'm upset, Kyle. Why are you upset? Are we
2: back in 1998? I mean, <sighs> these artists with their marketing strategies, I mean, come on. The people who are going to want to hear this song were the ones who were waiting for it, and now you disappointed all of them, and now they're upset, and they probably don't even understand why you pushed it back, so you just alienate your core fan base. I mean I don't understand who Brandy thinks she's going to reach at this stage. I mean I love Brandy. That's a legend, you know, and it's been 8 years since her last album. At this rate it's going to be 9 years until we get her, you know, her next album since the last one. It just put the song out for the core fans, you know. It's just more disappointment. We've been waiting. We've been promised albums and EPs from Brandy. It's just more disappointment, guys. This is not not a good sign. I mean, Kyle You're a big Brandy fan. Do you disagree?
0: I mean, I would have liked the single to come out. I would like all singles to come out. I don't really understand the need to push back anything at this point because we've seen historically over the last couple of years an artist and their strategy for putting out a song now is just posting it on their Instagram and saying, new song coming at midnight. (laughs) They post the song and then they just forget about it like the next week. So if that was their marketing plan... And they decided not to go through with it because of the outbreak. I'm not, I'm not following, and I'm not liking it. But if she had oh, this masterful plan, if she had this masterful plan to like do something out of this world that nothing's, ever, no one's ever seen before, and because of <clears> this <throat> outbreak she's not able to do it, then you know what? I'll <clears> give her a little bit of a pass. But <sighs> I don't know. I think you make a good point, Tom. I think at this point, the people that are checking for Brandy's music are going to be Brandy fans or at the most R&B fans. Like, Ed, are Chance the Rapper fans waiting for this song? Absolutely not. It would not it
1: would <laughs> surprise me if Chance the Rapper fans knew Brandy. And that's I know it would be appalling and you're clutching your pearls. here on the Soul Back podcast. But when I look at the fan base that interacts with me whenever I review one of his shoddy albums, they probably don't know who Brandy is. Well, hold so, on,
2: hold on. Ed, Kyle, was Mace not available to be featured on this single?
1: Was oh my Mystical God. Not available? <laughs> I can guarantee you that both of them are available. Poor
0: Mace is looking for money. We saw the tweets. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, but, Jeez. I, I mean, Tom, weren't you disappointed? You know, we've mentioned all these artists who have put out music or done concerts like John B., Tank, Jante, Charlie Wilson. El Varner, I think Bridget Kelly is about to do one too. But there are a handful of artists that aren't doing anything in this time. And I guess understandably because they have other priorities. But I think you're upset at them because this is a perfect time to give back to the fans, right? And uh, and
2: Kyle, sorry, I'm about to go off real quick. I'm pissed. This is the perfect time. I mean, there's no excuse. And if you're an artist listening to this podcast right now, what is your excuse for not giving something back to the fans right now? I mean, this—you got nothing going on. You're locked in at home in quarantine. There's no better way to give back to the fans. They can't come to see your show. So, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but there's some really specific examples I have of artists would have loved to see give back, and it's not happening. And I'm pretty pissed. I mean, this is—I feel like I'm watching R&B just fade away right in front of my eyes because they could have at least done something. Now the fans aren't even thinking about them anymore, so they're moving on to something else. It's just, ugh.
1: And am I out of line? You're not out of line. And I will say that I was before we got on this podcast and we were kind of talking about what's going on in the week. And it's kind of like, well, nothing. And what happened last week? Well, nothing like we're talking. We're talking a lot. Not so much about new music because there's nothing coming out again. I don't want to pretend I know the lives of these artists. They are not just sitting around like we're sitting around. They might have families. They might have 17 kids they're trying to keep occupied so they can't get their music out. But the odd silence from the genre overall other than, I mean, we're seeing the the, the um, Instagram videos, the Tamiya videos and whatnot. So we're seeing a little of that. But the lack of music overall is very odd to me. I do think that if there are some long tour touring and plans we speculated on Alicia Keys last week, that's one thing. But there's still something that artists could be doing to engage and interact with their fans a little bit more creatively than just the, I'm going to sing like everybody else. It's just weird. If I were an artist, I would capitalize on this. You have literally a captive audience. So I want to see these artists do something other than what everybody else is doing.
0: Well, one person that did capitalize on this quarantine thing is Usher. He finally put out the music video for his song with LMA, Don't Waste My Time. Um, and It's a house party music video, and we're stuck in a quarantine. I don't know if this was the best timing, guys. I found that ironic.
1: It's it's like Tom says. It's just irony. I'm sure it wasn't recorded yesterday, so I give him a pass on that. But I haven't seen the video. I assume that it's a good time because, good Lord, this thing... Is quite late. Did
0: Lauren Hill direct this? Good Lord. Get it out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, the song is actually uh, starting to blow up on Urban AC, and it's making its way on rhythmic and urban. So this might have been the plan, a slow and steady race to the top. Ed, I've already said on record that this will be the biggest thing ever, the greatest comeback in R&B history, and I'm standing by that. But I have a question for you guys here as we segue well, out Kyle, of this new music. Well, real quick. R- real yeah. quick.
2: Do you remember when this song or when you exclusively premiered the song on our site, what month that was?
0: I think that would have been early December. Yeah, it was November, no, December. It, was, like it was
2: November. It was November 19th. I have it right here. So it's yeah, been wow. it what is that, five months? Over five months now? Yeah. So I mean I just wanted to point that out real quick, because it's been a while.
1: Yes. I yeah. mean the lady on Confession is three could have had her baby as long as this took. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jeez. Well, I mean, he just dropped the music video and they still haven't performed the song live yet. So I think this song probably has a little bit um, more to go in terms of its live show. I think it's going to be here for a while. We shall see, though. I don't know if this coronavirus thing is going to ruin the momentum. But speaking of comebacks here, because I just got into a conversation recently um, about TLC. And I've been seeing a lot of people say that fan mail is is a better album than Crazy Sexy Cool. And I I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, Both are great albums, by the way, so I don't want to downplay either of them. But what are your thoughts on that, Ed?
1: I think people are crazy. Like, Listen, I have been arguing for the past few months from a fan base that says that It Was Written is better than Nas' Illmatic. It was written. It's better than probably the best rap album ever created. Okay, mm-hmm. players. Here's what it is. A lot of fans gravitate toward their entry point. I've talked about it many, many times on Soul and Stereo, and here. If your first introduction to TLC was that fan mail era, that's going to be your favorite. And we're starting to see that as a younger generation comes up and they start having that kind of connection. And by younger, I don't mean you know 19. But there's a generation that came up and missed kind of that mid-90s, and they're more into early 2000s, late 90s. So if that's when you gravitated toward TLC, I can see that being your favorite. But by no means is that a better album. And I like Fan Mail, but come on, y'all.
2: I think that's all you need to know about the two. I'll I'll just say this. You know, Fan Mail had No Scrubs, which was an anthem, and I'm Pretty, which also was an anthem. Crazy Sexy Cool had... Four of the greatest songs of the 90s as singles, Creep, Mm -hmm. Red Light Special, Waterfalls, and Digging on You. I mean, it it doesn't get much better than those four songs when it comes to 90s R&B. So that
1: alone, to me, tells the tale. That's it. But again, if you missed that perspective, if you missed that gigantic run they had from like 95 going into 96, and your introduction was no scrubs and silly hoe and all that stuff, then you're going to miss out. You're not going to know.
0: I'll be honest, guys. Um, Crazy Sexy Cool is I think from top to bottom a way better album. Um, I would argue that that album from top to bottom is pretty much flawless. I can listen to that all the way through. Hmm. Fan mail, on the other hand, I think I might get some flack for this, but I'm a firm believer if you take out No Scrubs, we're looking at a whole different project. I don't know if that album would have been as big without No Scrubs, because that was a huge anthem. Um, but I've also seen people on Twitter say that this Fan Mail album is the greatest comeback album of all time. So let's think about this for a second. What are some great comeback albums, and is Fan Mail better than those ones? Because the first well, one well, that comes well, to mind on. for me... Well, yep. Well, but, uh, go ahead. But
2: which one comes to mind?
0: I was going to say the one that everyone's going to say is The Emancipation of Mimi, which was a great one as well by Mariah. Um, do you guys have any other in mind before we, uh, we dive deep and try to figure this out?
2: Well, why was this a comeback, though?
1: That was about to be my argument. How was this a <laughs> comeback album? They were out in like 90, they were still doing stuff like two years earlier. It's not like they went in a way or fell off. It was a a consecutive album in their order, but by no means was it a comeback album.
2: Yeah. I mean, Mimi, I I actually think, was a comeback because Mariah. Mimi was a comeback. You know, she had stumbled a bit. TLC had not stumbled a bit.
1: Yes. If Usher's, whatever this album confessions to or whatever, if this ends up being something decent, that's a comeback album. But. I mean, I wouldn't call Here I Stand a comeback out. Like, it's just the next
0: out. I mean, this was a five-year gap. 94 to 99.
1: No, that's... But you're looking at it in a bubble. Those songs were well into 96. They didn't go anywhere.
0: Mm Hmm. So, that's probably what... uh, why the fans think it's a comeback album too and i've noticed it's a lot of younger fans that think fan is better so you might be on to something that i'm pretty sure there's a lot of fans that also think the emancipation is the best mariah album which again oh, it's i a hear it album, all but, the time but you know i hear all the time, time Dream, that it's her best album butterfly wow. debut there's a lot of great albums here
1: yeah, I mean, when I ranked her albums, you can check that out on Soul and Stereo too. I got a lot of flack from people saying that, no, Mimi's the best. My wife would probably stab you in the kidney because she lives and dies by that debut. And a lot of them hadn't even heard the debut because to them, their first
0: album was Mimi. So it's all about perspective. Now, Tom, I know you're waiting on a comeback album from Tevin Campbell. Didn't you say that R&B Tevin should be put on pause? put on pause until uh, tevin yes. campbell comes back
2: I, I did say that i mean who, who could disagree with that
0: uh
1: here's my thing right <laughs> what all right <laughs> you is, tread carefully young man this is not Whoa. a shot at
0: tevin campbell or any of the greats but here is my thing and i think this is some this is a habit that we all need a out of When somebody announces that they're making a comeback and they're putting out new music, let's say Jodeci, for example, they're going to immediately think back to Forever My Lady and Diary of a Mad Band, right? Right. Now, if they were to announce that they were putting out an album today, that same excitement would still be there because of those two albums and maybe the third one, but they will completely disregard and forget that they just put out an album a couple years back. That, to me, should be their measuring point of what the quality it's going to be. Not what happened 25 years ago.
1: Um, Um, You're not wrong. But, and I talked about this when, and we've debated the Jodeci album endlessly. When they had, again, another comeback album. Their album a few years ago, that was a comeback album because they had a huge layoff. But... I did not. I know that a lot of people were disappointed by that album. Casey and JoJo didn't even like the album. They talked about the issues they had. I wasn't that bothered by it because I knew what their skill level was at the time. And I was not saying, oh, this is going to be forever, my lady. No, it's not 1991. Why on earth would it be that? So you're right, wrong, though, because we do think of when we hear an artist coming back, we immediately go back to the glory years and not where they last left us. I love Tevin. I don't necessarily think he's going to be 1993 Tevin, but I want Tevin just because I think he's a tremendous artist. He still has a great voice, and I think that there is a segment of R&B fans that just completely missed out on how huge he was and how much potential he had. So That's kind of why I'm ready for him to come back.
2: Listen, Kyle, I have information from a source, and I have this on high authority, this news that Tevin Campbell's been doing vocal gymnastics for about a decade now, keeping his vocals in t- in peak shape, ready for this comeback. So it's not going to be anything like some of these other failed comebacks, guys. This is going to be an amazing project.
1: Uh, well, Wait, we'll see. It? But is this actually? But the happening? man, we've heard he him sing. Stuff.
0: Is this actually happening, Tom? Next topic. Not oh ready. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I know a lot of readers really enjoyed this R&B trivia that we had last week that Ed surprisingly killed he did great on it so, surprisingly where
1: you, ha- you just come from
0: calm down uh, Tom don't you have another trivia set for uh, Ed I do but if I remember correctly he got three out of five correct so that's a 60 and,
2: uh, and if he was in high school that would be a D a D minus I think
1: Wait a minute. What? Now, when I review an album and there is two good songs on it, people tell me that's a classic. So, if what? you're using this curve that y'all are using on the internet, then I got a score of 150 out of 100. Alright, alright, alright. This is another version of the R&B
2: trivia. I've been waiting all week to present this to you guys. Once mm-hmm. again, for those listening at home, we'll we'll give you a, a pause after I ask the question so you could. Can think about it and try to get the answer right now Ed, if you don't know the answer kyle could chime in i'm gonna start easy i'm gonna start out a bit easy and then we'll get to the hard ones at the end so uh are you ready for this this is this is r&b group trivia and the name of the game is name the first single that this group released
1: okay we'll see and some of these i can do some of these i
2: cannot We'll start easy. The first one is Boys to Men. What was the first single they released?
1: Come on, Ed. Was it was it Not Motown, Philly?
2: Listen, Ed, you didn't give the listeners enough time to think about it,
0: but yes, that's correct. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh.
1: Now we All right, we'll give them time. Good
0: lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving Tom, on to
1: number 2. Tom, what?
0: before you go on, can I say one thing? Yes. We will get Sean Stockman on the podcast one day. Uh, you can continue. <laughs> 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 um, Sean yeah, Stockman.
1: that Sean Stockman, and then we'll also have Nivea. It'll be a double podcast. Oh, my. That's Ed oh,
2: Bowser, yes. com, slandering.
1: Yes, E.T. Bowser. Come at me. All right. Number two,
2: name the first single ever released by the R&B legendary group Jodeci. Dude,
1: I thought Ooh, you were yeah. about to say Silk. Silk? We're starting
2: out easy here. Uh. Come on, Ed. You got to know this one. I'll give you a hint. It was not one of their biggest hits.
1: No, that's why I'm struggling. It's not what you think it is. That's why I'm struggling. I'm trying to remember. I'm literally like thinking through the album because it was not forever, my lady.
0: Kyle, you know the answer. Uh, I know it's not forever, my lady. I know that for a fact. No. Forever, my and lady is
2: number two.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: not come and talk to me.
2: That was number. And it's four. not stay.
1: Yeah. That was number three. Gotta, it's it's gotta love. It's gotta love. Yes. Ding ding ding. Wow. Correct. All right. That you one took it. a
0: minute. R That was Good job.
2: All right, moving on. What was the first single ever released by the R and B group One Twelve?
0: Oh, this is easy. Is
1: it though, Ed? What is, is it really? Now you're starting to like, make me question my he's motives. Sweat. He's sweating a little bit. He's sweating like he's sweating. No. <laughs> sweating like he sweat. Calm down. Are you ready? This? Yes. No, this is an easy one. I remember when I saw the video for the first time. Only hey, you. I saw the video and the remix on the same day and was like, what is happening?
0: Well, correct. Ed, to be fair, and, and yeah, it is correct, but to be fair, there are some songs that didn't have music videos. Um, Yeah,
1: but this one did.
0: All right.
2: Uh, we're starting can to, ask to you? the more challenging. Yeah.
0: Tom, Can I, what's better, the original or the remix for that song? You got to go with the remix, man. Come on. I love them
1: both equally. I can't choose. Equally? Yes, I'd, for different reasons. I love them both. We're getting to the harder
2: portion of this trivia. What is the first single ever released by Jagged Edge?
1: Another easy one. Kyle knows this. No. What, I he doesn't? I don't think so.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Even <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't notice You either. did No. See, I would have went
1: with I gotta be. I thought I gotta no, be. No, was the no, no. See? No. The way you talk. That was the first one. Wow. Mm. I re- That's another one I remember seeing the video and being like, who are these guys?
2: See, those were two curveballs right there.
1: All right. That, that,
2: now, now we're getting into the, the final chapter of this trivia, the most challenging. If you get this, I mean you're the champion of R and B right here, the king, potentially. <laughs> okay, of R&B. I've been nailing them all night, so let's
1: let's do it. Let's do it. What? If all you say the Whitehead Brothers,
2: no, I don't even know the answer to that. I can't even name one song. Calm down. <laughs>
1: Stop it.
2: Name the first single ever released by the R and B '90s group Ideal. Ooh. Oh my gosh! My
0: Ideal. <laughs> Wait a minute, your boys? Oh, yeah, isn't one named Maverick, Tom? Yes! There is, there yes. is one name way, man. You named your child you after the... <laughs> First of all,
2: it's not even spelled the same way. <laughs> that's Maverick Cotton, the songwriter. And no, that's not who I named my child after. Moving on. All right.
1: <laughs> <sighs> I feel like this is a trick question. Because the answer... Should be Get Gone. But I'm guessing that's not right. It is a trick question. Is it in? So, no, that was after Get Gone. Uh Oh.
2: Well, if they release a single that was on a soundtrack before the first album, does that count?
1: (laughs) Oh my god. If it was released as a single, it counts. If it was a random song on the soundtrack, that does not count. It charted, though. Okay, then it probably counts if it was released as a single.
0: What's it called?
2: They released a cover of Marvin Gaye's Inner City Blues, apparently, on the Original Gangsters soundtrack.
1: Ed, did you know that? The Original Gangster soundtrack? (laughs) I didn't even know that that movie had a soundtrack. I guarantee you, I'm the only person on this podcast that has heard of Original Gangsters.
2: It was a single. So, that's uh, it.
1: That's a, uh, I did not know that. Okay.
2: Damn. If anyone knew that out there, hit us up on Twitter.
1: Listen, if anybody knew that. that out there, I don't think Ideal remembers that. Because that was a stretch. <laughs> hey,
0: man. I'll hit up if anybody got that. I'll hit up- <laughs> if anybody got that, I'm giving them free Janet Jackson concert tickets whenever that concert happens. I got, wow. I got that on record. Hit me up. Yeah, Listen,
1: Nosebleed te- Seats in 2023, because that's when that concert will happen. Well, <laughs> I'll check in with my son's
2: godfather, Maverick Cotton, to see if he remembered that one. Man, oh, my God.
1: You were dismissed. <laughs> right, Where's Barry's phone number?
2: Final, final question. This is the last okay. one. Name the first single ever released by this R&B group from the 90s, Profile.
1: Mmm, this is another Ed, don't get nervous now. I'm feeling like it's No, I feel like it's another trick.
2: We're getting back in that 60% range here.
1: It's not the song no more shopping range. Sprees,
0: Remember that? What? That's playing. That's the <laughs> wrong group. <laughs> oh. Ugh It's not cheers to you either. But- Kyle, See, not check play this on. album out. Kyle
2: Genuine wrote a song on this album. Jante Austin wrote a song on this album. The Casey Brothers, Chico the Bard on knew this, this album. Yep. Yeah. Wow. The Casey Joe
1: Brothers.
0: Was
2: a, Joe was an executive producer on this album. Believe it or not. Joe was oh, an executive
0: producer on this joint. I just it, looking it was at done, the like. It, I'm yeah. looking at the Wikipedia right now. So shocking, Carlin. Can we give them a shout-out? One of the most underrated nope. producers of all time.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to have to bow to this one. I have no idea. Because the only single I remember was not from their first album. So hmm. I don't know what this one is.
2: The single I'll give you called, this one. Mm-hmm. What, what song are you going to say?
1: Well, the main song is Liar. And I know that's not their first song.
2: It was not. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the first single was I Ain't The One.
1: I could not tell you anything about that song.
2: And there was a remix sure featuring it's... Juvenile.
1: I promise you that someone in the soul serial cipher probably the brown will light me up for forgetting this. But <laughs> I do not remember that at all. Do
2: so, people know you Profiles
0: it. debut? Say so what? Mm-hmm. Do people know Profile's debut album? I don't know
1: that they do. I don't think so. Because their second album came out like almost immediately after it. And that's the one that everybody remembers. So there you go.
2: Ed, good job. 60%. We'll take it.
1: Wait a minute. Was that really 60% or you just throwing out numbers like Trump? Four out of six?
0: 4 to 6 is not not 60%. Is it? No. What?
2: 66%? Oh. Give Ed some credit.
0: Give him him his C minus. Give me my 66.
1: All right. You got a D plus. All right. Fair enough. No. No. (laughs) If there's an EP with four good songs, that's a classic. That's what I was told. (laughs) I've been rating these albums too hard. I'm a hater.
0: Tom, is that it for the trivia? Yeah, that's
2: it for this week's trivia. Good job, guys.
1: That
0: was actually a fun one. That was another fun one. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. All right. Ed, for brownie points, when is Ashanti's birthday? Why would I know what Ashanti's (laughs) birthday is?
1: You're the stalker. You know that.
0: Uh, October 13th. Oh, that's
1: bad. That's bad. I got to share
0: a birthday (laughs) month with him. (laughs) all right uh can we get into some fan questions here
1: yeah oh yeah i
0: almost forgot about those uh somebody asked i think it was slick partner i could be wrong somebody asked Mm -hmm. um what makes an r&b song great is it the vocals is it the vocal arrangements is it the beat like is it the lyrics or i guess what do you guys look for first out of those four yeah, that was the home and Slick partner. He got in a
1: great discussion on Twitter a week or so ago discussing that. And that's a hard question for me because I've actually been asked that as far as my reviewing process as well. Like, what do I weigh the most? And to me, it's just like ingredients of a cake. Like, if you leave out the sugar, the cake is going to taste like crap, even though it's going to look fine. So it's hard to kind of put one above the other. For me, the out for me is... Well, that's, see. I was gonna say lyrics, but that's not always the case either. Huh? Let me think on
2: it. Tom, you go first. Yeah, guys, this is an easy. This is an easy one, guys. I've been known to say something sounds a little too churchy, Ed. And by that, yeah, I, I know s- someone's just sitting there belting away all night. You know, there's no rhythm, there's no melody. It's just vocals, which is great if you're in the right mood for that. I like a nice melody, you know, something that you can bop to, something very melodic, catchy, uh, paired with great production. You know, if the production's interesting, that's what I'm into. Vocals, you know, you can forgive those a bit if it's, if it's, you know, I guess melodic enough in my opinion, but, like, Yo, vocals hold are up. horrible,
0: like karaoke. No. What? Hold up. You said you would give vocals a pass. You weren't nice to Jacquees about that. Because but sometimes like, the vocals are or, too much. Yes. No.
2: I was get, I was getting to that. You didn't let me finish. You cut
1: me off, Kyle. Oh, let I'm, that I'm man finish, Kyle.
2: I said I said as long as it doesn't sound like karaoke when Jacques and your boy Tory Lanez is like karaoke to me. So you can't even get started on that type of music, in my opinion. I don't even know how it's on the website. I mean, how did it even
0: get on our site? Oh, you know God. how. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna let the king live today, but go on.
2: Well, no, Ed, you voted those songs into our top five of the countdown. So,
1: I mean, you you, you deserve some blame, too. You find the scorecard where I ever voted for a Tory Lane song.
2: <laughs> but anyway. Tory Lane sounds she- like
1: some Looney Tunes character karaoke. I don't understand what the appeal is with this dude. Jacquees, I get sh- a little bit.
2: But shout out to our boy Slick Partner, because this dude is a serious R&B lover, is constantly seeking out good music out there, digging for it like we do. You know, and this was a great question, but that's just my take on it. I mean, you know, I could, I could do away with lyrics. You know, they don't always catch me, but the melody always catches me. If it's too boring, if it's just straight up singing, you know, going nowhere, it just bores me. That's
1: just my opinion, though. I don't... This is a really hard one. Shout out to the homie because I am just like racking my brain. I can kind of rank them because I can kind of see melody kind of taking the forefront. Then maybe lyrics, then vocals. But that's not to say that I can take away one because if the lyrics are trash, the song is trash. If there is no melody, the song is trash. If the person sounds like Tory Lanez, song is trash. So they're going to be, I can weigh them, but I can't say one is more important than the other. There's this one that kind of like, I can get a little bit more of A than B, but I can't totally get rid of B.
0: Well, for me, I would say, let me break down how I listen to a song so you guys can understand my process. Uh, I think, Tom, I do agree. They have to at least have like passable vocals. They can't sound like Tory Lanes. Uh, but when I listen <laughs> to a song How
2: did,
0: then why did tour get on our website listen the guy sampled because it he had a song with
1: Ashanti and we know there this it's all Ashanti <laughs>
0: oh. um, when I listen to a song the beat comes on first most of the times sometimes it doesn't but the majority of the times the beat comes on and I'm bopping to the beat so the beat has to be fire that's first and foremost that's the uh, 2000's listener in me Growing up on the Neptunes and Timbaland and uh, Jermaine Dupri, B. Cox, that's just what it is. And then I got to see if they can connect the dots melodically with the vocal arrangements. Because that, to me, if you have the beat and the vocal arrangements, you're on your way to a good song. Uh, the vocals, like I said, they have to at least be listenable. Um, as far as lyrics, guys, and I think this might be a 2000s thing because... You know, although we had some ballads during that time, it wasn't like the 90s where everything was about heartbreak. Shout-outs to Diane Warren. The lyrics have never played a big part in my life. Obviously, you have some songs that just connect and make you feel a type of way, but I would say, for me, the lyrics come last. Unless it's like like LOL smiley face, like elementary stuff, but, (laughs) you know, and, and there's exceptions to that, but I would say... If everything is equal, that's probably coming last for me. I agree. And
1: it's it's your perspective. I mean, I came from an era where like lyrics was everything and you had these classic pens that were writing all these songs and there was this poeticness about it. And really in the I could really say in my fandom, I could really see lyrics starting to take a back seat, kinda like mid to late nineties. That's when they started kinda fading out a little bit. That's why when Carl Thomas, I remember when he debuted, people were like, "Who is writing this dude's stuff? Because it was sounding like poetry again. So that's kind of a sign of the times thing. I understand why that's on your back burner. But for your boy, I gotta have all three. I'm greedy. I can't pick.
2: But Kyle, based on your criteria, the Ashanti song, and mind you, Ashanti's one of your favorite artists of all time. The Ashanti song Turn It Up featuring Ja Rule should
0: be one of your favorites. Why is it not? It's a great song michael jackson wanted that song (laughs) i thought people hate that song people with sense hate that song tom we're not talking (laughs) i like that song i even like that song well Well,
1: again people with sense there's only one on this podcast (laughs) the song is terrible Uh
0: hold up tom i mean ed i have i have to call you out on something earlier you said that your era of music the 90s had a lot of great lyrical content
1: Yeah, uh, I said that uh it started to fade. I'd seen, here we go with the cherry picking. I said (laughs) that it started to fade
0: out in the mid to late 90s. But continue your terrible point. Well, this this song came out in 1993. Some would call it a Mm -hmm. classic. Let me lick you up and down till you say stop. Doesn't get any more explicit and non-creative than that, Ed.
1: First of all, it was very creative. But it is explicit. (laughs) Brothers won't exactly. licking women in 1993. See, you're spoiled exactly. because everybody now we got news exactly right. and everybody got news in the DMs. So this is the old thing. 93 people won't licking. You won't getting no your body licked. Silk exactly was putting right, you on. Colin.
2: If you look back in U.S. history, and correct me if I'm wrong. Women weren't even allowed to wear a a, a bikini until like the 50s or something. You know, it was illegal. So exactly. we've come a long
0: way. <laughs> Oh yes! Now it goes down in the DMs. It all changed when Pretty Ricky told us they got new shoes on the ride. Rolling on ninety five. Oh my god! Oh oh my god! I don't know if I'm gonna make
1: it through this podcast between the two of y'all. Pretty (laughs) Ricky is brought in this conversation.
0: Oh yes. Uh, The last question for you guys here: Uh, What is your favorite R&B song that doesn't have to do with love or sex? What's left?
2: Wait, what? Wait, hold up. What?
0: Your favorite R&B song favorite? that do, that doesn't have to do with love or sex? No, it, it, That's there's like, there's
2: inspirational songs out there. I this is like a tough one to answer on
1: the spot, though. Yeah, because like eighty five percent of songs are about beauty or booty, so it's kind of hard. Ugh. I, I, mm. Yeah,
0: I, on the spot, I don't know. Let's think about this for a sec. I mean, we have the inspirational songs, like, uh, like the song "Dreams" by Ashanti. That's an inspirational song. That's a great question.
1: It is. I will have to. Uh, it just keeps coming back to me. I don't know if this probably isn't my answer, but like "One Sweet Day" keeps jumping into me. That song is depressing, but that keeps jumping in my brain.
0: Wait,
2: that's. A, uh, I guess. What
0: about what about the rain by Missy Elliott? Well, that's not even an R&B song, but what is that song even about? <laughs>
1: it's Missy. It's about nothing, but we still love it. Okay. The song that came to
2: mind for me was John B. Cool Relax. That's because, actually a good one. That's a good one. For me, one. that's all about just vibing and chilling and, you know, mm-hmm. nothing to, not thinking about anything too deeply.
0: That's exactly, that's a good one.
2: That's a tough then question I- to answer, though, because that's what mm-hmm. R&B is mostly about, is relationships and love.
0: What about uh, Champagne Life by Neil? That's another one.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: thats I mean, I
1: like that song. I would have never thought of it, but that's another good one. It kind of yeah. bucks the trend a little bit.
2: And And to be mm-hmm. honest, actually, those are some of my favorite songs. Like, just those ones that are just about celebrating life and, you know, not thinking about anything too seriously. But I got to think more deeply about that.
0: Yeah, uh, we can also say uh uh loose rap by Aaliyah. That's another one not about love or sex. Uh I'm just I'm just throwing songs out there. Technically
1: It's has to do rela-
0: with
2: relationship, I feel like. And that Yeah, that one's that on category. the borderline.
0: Alright. Um That's a tough one. Yeah. That's true.
2: but You got to go to
1: Frankie B and the cookout songs, really. The only way you can find that answer. Sad songs the or cookout songs? <laughs>
2: yep. Cooling the gang. Cooling the gang songs. <laughs> Yo, that's, um, that's a great question for both, uh, you know, for the Cypher and for
1: our readers, Kyle. We should put that out there. Yeah, I might drop that in. That'll be a good one.
0: Ed, what about Birthday by Usher?
1: What about it? Other than it needs to be burned <laughs> at the stake. <laughs> We were talking in the cypher last week about Usher's worst songs, and I didn't have to think 30 seconds because I was like, Birthday is the answer. No question.
0: Damn. Oh my God, Uh, I got it,
1: guys. I got it. What is it? D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. (laughs) Mm. That is a good one because that ain't about sugar. It's about weed. Yes, we got the joke, right? <laughs> so there you, you go. Don't
2: That's say. all I can come up with.
0: All right. Uh, I've got two Soulback uh, albums of the day here. Can we... Well, this one's not even... We don't really have to talk about it too much, but I've seen her on our timeline a lot recently. Can we? Can we give a quick shout-out to Pebbles? Yes, we don't talk about Pebbles very often. Some great records in the 80s, Ed.
1: Uh, Pebbles also, I mean, I know that she kind of has that bad rap now for her relationship with um, TLC and kind of everything that went down with that. But for her day, you know, she was actually considered one of the kind of standouts of the late 80s, early 90s. Mercedes Boy and all those songs, she was kind of one of the ones leading into the decade so i know she kind of went behind the scenes and uh, we've heard the stories and seen the movie with TLC and all that stuff but i think she still is a strong artist for a day
0: mm-hmm. and i just saw recently mariah and her were going back and forth praising each other and mariah says that she listens to one of pebbles records every day so that's pretty cool can't blame her she could sing Pretty cool. So, uh, the other one I want to talk about here, Ed, is uh, your girl Tracy Spencer. My girl Tracy Spencer, yes. What happened to her?
1: (laughs) What happened to her? Well, if you go to solarstereo.com, click on that top link, and scroll down the whatever happened to section. By the way, I need somebody to suggest some new topics. I think like I've run out of everybody. I've talked about everything. So... Yeah, Tracy is another one of those artists, late 80s, early 90s, who just had a ton of potential, but kind of fell out of the spotlight after her, I think her last album was like 99, 2000. It was in my college year, showing my age. But after that, she actually did a few things behind the scenes on Kanye West's debut album. A lot of people didn't know that she did some background vocals there. But other than that, she's been a little bit out of the spotlight for the past decade.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because I'm looking at her Wikipedia here. She doesn't get the credit she deserves. She had a pretty nice run there. Almost 10 years of just hit records.
1: Lots of hits. Everything, almost everything charted. Everything did very well. But she was just one of those artists that just didn't, even though she was in, she was successful, she was never like that next in the hump, never had the spotlight on her like she probably deserved. If she came out, let's say in 2000, she probably would have had stronger standing I'm telling y'all, in the 90s, that marketplace was so crowded, it was hard to kind of stand out amongst all those legends. But I appreciate it. Love me some Tracy Spencer. So,
0: shout-outs to Tracy Spencer. Guys, I think that's it for this week. Um, Ed, what's going on with com?
1: Yeah. Everything is going on with com. As I mentioned earlier... Your boy's been a little tied up at the day job, so I haven't been able to do reviews as I've liked. But thanks to the magic of having posts planned in advance, I still got plenty of new content for you to check out. The head-to-head series continues. I had my lovely wife on discussing Beyonce most recently, so check that out. I did not get to get kicked out of the house and sleeping on a couch, so that's always a good thing. Kyle, your favorite love letters, new episode of That Up. And as we discussed last week, I think we did, my ranking
0: of the 50 best R&B albums of the 2010s. That's up as well. Excellent. And Tom, over at You Know I Got Soul, we've been doing some pretty cool features with some of our favorites, trying to find out what they wish uh, would have come out as singles from their discography. And we've put in our list as well. Uh, Who have we done? I think John B. was the most recent.
2: Yeah, John B. and Bobby V. this week. It was cool to hear from them. Um, on what their perspective is and what they thought should have been singles from their albums because, as you all know, they don't, don't always get the decision on that. Sometimes it's up to the label. Right. So we appreciate hearing from those artists and we thank them for chiming in. You know, And it's, it's been received pretty well.
0: Yeah, and what One I'll say with that is... One of my favorites from you guys lately. Yeah, what I'll say I is that... that you start forgetting that these fans that followed them for 10 plus years and maybe they don't follow these artists as much anymore when you put out an article like that and these fans that have really lived through the artists discography like they start chiming in and they're like oh i remember this song from this time this should have been a single so it's just kind of cool to look at it from that perspective
1: and for me, it's confirmation. Um, I'm On the Jagged Edge one, I can't remember who you guys had in, but they um, suggested having Girl, It's Over as a single. And I was like, yes, I've been saying it for
0: decades. Didn't, didn't, yes, uh, Wingo. Didn't OMG Girls cover that at one point, Tom? I think they did. What? Do you yeah, think yeah, I know an
1: OMG co- Girls song?
0: <laughs> Why would <laughs>
1: OMG Girls cover
0: Girl, It's Over? I think they did. It was called Boy, It's Over. I'll have to confirm this after the podcast. Oh, well, do you take your time with that. We'll be good. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, not much else going on. I think the next album that's coming out is. Uh, I'm trying to think who it is. Who's uh, Keanu Day, That's the next one. I think that's next week. And then we'll see what else happens from this. Hope everyone's safe. JoJo's still
2: coming out, I believe.
0: I believe her tour got pushed back, and uh, Snow Allegra's tour is canceled now. No word on the Millennium Tour yet, but uh, I think that's it for R&B this week. So, guys, stay safe. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. uh, Don't hoard toilet paper and meat, and we'll all be good. (laughs) Stop
1: hoarding toilet paper, please. It's getting on my nerves. I would like to use toilet paper again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're out.